Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. All right, let's go to Acts chapter 8, verse 1. This morning I want to speak to you about reshaping and what I believe God is doing. And we've just heard the evidence of this, but I'm going to take you through a passage of Scripture that one day when I was in prayer, I heard the Lord say to me, reshaping, just that one word. And to be really honest, I just thought, wonder what that's about. And then began to download, as often happens, I don't consider myself a great theologian or researcher or studier, but I'm a pretty good listener and able to hear and download. And when it lines up with something in Scripture, I know that it's solid. I know that it's reliable. I know that there's a spiritual integrity about it. So let's go. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. It's referring to the martyrdom of Stephen. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. As, uh, sorry, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him, mourning. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and dragging out men and women, committing them to prison. Verse 4, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed. And many of those who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. This chapter of the early church sees them in a place and a time of great pressure and difficulty. It doesn't take too much intelligence to line that up with where we are right around the world. I don't know of a nation, a continent, that right now top of the news feed is about COVID. It's about all kinds of pressures, economic, uh, all kinds of pressures on families, all kinds of pressures on mental health. And our world right now, like this time, is under pressure and in difficulty. But in Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through to 8, we see that what was unforeseen by those people, what they had no idea was coming towards them, ended up being used by God to reshape the church in a way that saw many more people healed, many more people saved, many more disciples made, and many more leaders raised up. What looked like the worst time ended up being used amazingly by God. Pardon me for a minute. I don't wish to be uh, Pollyanna-ish about this or some kind of like always look on the bright side, but I have a deep confidence in my life that what the enemy has meant for evil, what has come against our world, God intends to use and it has the potential to reshape 
not just our communities or our societies or our nations, but it's got the potential to reshape the church for good and for great things that God wants to do. I believe that in this season, God is wanting to reshape the church. And I want to give you just a few of the things out of Acts 8 that He reshaped that I believe He wants to do for us as well in the time we're in right now. First of all, I believe that in this time, God is reshaping our concept of leadership. Acts chapter 5 verse 12 says that uh, all of the many signs and wonders were done by the hands of the apostles until Acts 7 when Stephen preaches his first and final message. Until Acts chapter 8 when Philip, who's been a part of the host team, one of the ushers, one of the deacons, his entire serving point for the early church has been taking food and other material goods and giving them to the Grecian and the Jewish widows. There's no social network in that day. There's no safety net from the government. And so the church is looking after them. And this has all risen because a racial division uh, poked its ugly head up in the life of the church. And the Grecian widows, the the non-born Hebrews were beginning to complain saying, we are, there's bias against us. We're being left out. And so out of that, the apostles said, find us seven men of faith and good report, men of reliable reputation that we will commit this work to. And so they brought out seven. Stephen's one of them. Philip's one of them. The apostles lay their hands on them. And that's Stephen's big entry in the ministry is taking food to whinging people, all right? So it's not about where you start. This guy starts there. I believe that every ministry that you do in the Name of Jesus, for the glory of Jesus, I believe that every ministry any Christian ever does is one of immense importance before God. I don't believe it's possible to have an irrelevant, insignificant, not valuable ministry if you are serving God with all of your heart. And so Stephen's one of those. He ends up becoming the first martyr. The only time in the New Testament really where you ever see of Jesus standing apart from Revelation where He appears before John. This is the only other time everywhere else in the Scripture He's seated at the right hand of the Father. But as the first martyr is ushered into heaven, Jesus stands up from the throne and welcomes Him home. It's an amazing story. But then comes this time that's terrible. Then comes this time where all of this stuff looks like it's the worst time. But prior to this, it's been the apostles. They've done all the healing. They've done all the preaching. They've done all the miracles. And now the host team are seeing God move. It's almost like God was saying to them, don't restrict what I can do to just a few. The reality is that an available vessel is more valuable than an ornate one. Come on. 
Listen, some of us, I remember reading about Catherine Kuhlman, a wonderful healing evangelist who God used so incredibly. Uh, filled the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles, seats 10,000. Uh, and every month it was packed to capacity. There are books written that are attested to medically of absolute miracles of healing that occurred. One of them I remember reading about was a pilot from Australia. They wrote a book about his story. I've read it. It's an incredible one. But you know, people in those days didn't believe that a woman should be allowed to preach or to minister. And so there was a constant stream of questioning to her saying, why are you? Why is that a woman? Now, none of us, by the way, if you're a part of this service, Metro Church, we believe there's neither male nor female in Christ. Amen. And some of the greatest ministries, uh, well, who cares what gender? Uh, I, I just believe God wants to use available people. But they'd asked Catherine Kuhlman and she, her answer was always this. I'm not the first person that God asked. I'm just the first person who said yes. Amen. An available vessel is always more valuable than an ornate one. Here are these two magnificent goblets. They were gifts to Rhonda and I. Was our wedding or our, or was our wedding? See, Rhonda even remembers. Rhonda, this one says, two hearts are one. 19th of February, 1979. I should put that somewhere so I never forget the date. 19th of February, no, 10th, 10th of February. Oh, 10th. For a minute there, I'm going, yeah. Jeff, even spelled probably. Two hearts, one love. Should be a song, shouldn't it? Two hearts. Country and Western song. They're beautiful, aren't they? But the reality is when I said to Rhonda yesterday, where are the two goblets? She goes, I don't know. So then began a hunt. We went to the most obvious place, the buffet, big buffet. Go into the buffet. I looked. I looked there, I looked there, I looked there, I looked in that drawer, I looked in that drawer. Rhonda thinking I'm having a man look. Goes and starts looking again. I said, I've already looked there. She said, yeah, I know. Well, she couldn't find it there. I looked there again. Then we went into the other buffet. Looked in there, looked in there, looked in there. That's not there. I thought she might have had a woman look. So I went and looked there. It wasn't in there. She said, maybe it's, maybe it's, I don't know where you look next, but I'm looking everywhere. I'm looking in the pantry. I even looked in the crisper in case she put him in there by mistake. No, I didn't. And uh, the, the point is this. We went looking for these beautiful things and they weren't available. I couldn't find them. Eventually, Rhonda said, I wonder if I packed them in a different box. Get down the hands and knees, sure enough, right up in the back of the buffet where we looked in the first place. She gets out the box and goes, here they are. At one stage, we're saying, did we give them away? Rhonda said that, not me. Hey. <laughs> I would not dare to say such a thing. You know, they were there, but they weren't available. Over here is a concreting bucket. Well, it's had that in it because I can tell because it's still got 
concrete marks all on the inside. I never even bothered washing it, by the way. It hasn't got a handle. Um, it's just a cheap plastic bucket that's probably not worth much at all. And if I was to ask you which one of these you'd prefer, most of you, particularly if you are Rhonda and you're married to a Jeff, you're going to pick the goblets all day long. They look nice. They're engraved. They, they look like gold stuff on them. They look beautiful. And you're going to get this old bucket and go, who cares about that? But let me ask you, if something was on fire, which one of these two do you want? You're going for the bucket, aren't you, all day long? What if I was to tell you that not only is this a bucket, Now, which one do you want? <laughs> huh? See, and by the way, the usher team, let me just have a look here a minute. Our host team are going to have one for Rhonda, one for me. Uh, these are going to be at the door. And so as you go today, take one of these with my compliments. My point is this, an available vessel is a lot more valuable than an ornate one. It's not about what you look like. It's not about, you know, how much value is in you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. You see, your humanity is no impediment to God using you. It's one of the reasons why He does use you. There isn't any of us, myself included, who will ever lay claim to the worthiness that qualifies us as being of us. We're never going to say that. God is reshaping our concept of leadership. Before it was the stars, it was the apostles. Then God goes, watch what I'm about to do next. As I start using people, that maybe you have not valued in that space. Are you with me? And so there are people that are stepping up here in this church, in Metro Church Online Connect. I'm saying this because some of you have disqualified yourself. You've thought to yourself, you know what? But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And you're looking at the dirty marks and you're looking at the bits that are missing and you're looking at, you know, the things you see wrong. And God's saying, if you're available, you've got more value than something that looks pretty. Amen. You've got more value. He's reshaping our concept of leadership. Secondly, is He's reshaping our perception of the harvest. You've got to understand something here that in Acts 8, when Philip goes down to Samaria, a good Jew would take the long way around so they didn't have to go through Samaria. They despised them. They were like the cousins, that the black sheep of the family, nobody, they had no time for them at all. And so when Philip goes as this host team leader, anointed by the Holy Spirit, and he goes to Samaria, it's no-go territory. No one had ever thought of harvest there except Jesus. Some of you remember the story, John 4, the woman at the well. And the disciples come back and see him talking to a Samaritan woman. And they're all going like, what? 
like, hello, and why are you doing this? John 4, 39 says, and many Samaritans believed on Him, but nothing happens. There's no ministry outpost established there. There's no church there. When the Holy Spirit falls on the day of Pentecost, nobody at Jerusalem goes, well, let's go down to Samaria now and start a home group. Let's go down to Samaria and get an online connect group going. They're all going, hello, forget them. Who cares? We're it. And God breaks down the walls of the church there through pressure and scatters them. A seed had been sown and completely forgotten about until a time of pressure uncovered the harvest. I'll say that again. You've heard Anna this morning. You'll hear Nathan tonight, others that are doing this. You'll hear them talk about how this time of pressure has uncovered the seed of a harvest that was planted by somebody else a long time ago. But now we get to go in there and start to say, God, let us reap the harvest for Your glory. Let's do something. Why? Because there's no forgotten seed in God. I'm going to say that to you. I want you to get this because there's mums and dads here today. And you're a part of this service, wherever you may be, I don't know. And you planted good seed, but nothing's happened with the seed. There's been no response. And I want you to hear this from the Holy Spirit today. There's no forgotten seed in God. What you have thought, well, nothing happened with that. Well, I did my best, but I haven't seen any fruit of that. I've laboured, we did this. Maybe some of you here that have got neighbours or friends that you've reached out to or you've blessed and nothing happened out of it. We're all the same. I'm like that a bit. You just go, well, nothing happened there. Oh, they didn't respond. There's no forgotten seed in God. Your family, your giving even, good seeds, that will produce a harvest. That's why we must keep sowing good seeds for God. Philip didn't plant the seeds in Samaria. Jesus did. Jesus walked away and left it after that encounter with the woman. But He didn't walk away and forget it. Just everybody else did. But He walked away and then years later or a year or two later, Philip goes back down there and he begins to reap the harvest of forgotten seed. I'm wondering today how many, some of you that are a part of this service, you are the forgotten seed. You're a part of this service today and you know that mum or grandma or dad or granddad prayed for you. They witnessed to you about the love of Christ. But you went your own way. You said, no, that's not my scene. Yeah, thanks, Dad. Thanks, Granddad. Yeah, no, not mine. I'm fine. But now you're a part of this service today and the Holy Spirit is saying it's time for harvest for you. It's time for you to say, yes, the seed was planted. Now we're going to see the harvest of that come. So the first thing He reshapes is our concept of leadership. The second thing He reshapes is our perception of the harvest. The third thing He's reshaping, He is reshaping our expectations. Think about it for a minute. Acts chapter 8, they're scattered. What do you think they were all feeling? I reckon I've got a fair idea. Fear? What do you think they ran away? They were afraid. I think there was uncertainty all around about them. There was disruption just like there is today. 
And yet get this, Philip goes there with a different set of expectations to everybody else. He doesn't go down there saying, let me find a place I can check into and be anonymous and no one will ever find me here again. I really don't want that Saul dude turning up and throwing me into jail. I've just got to really get somewhere. Can, where can I bury myself? No, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a Hebrew. No, I'm not from Jerusalem. No, I just moved to town on business. All that kind of stuff is going on. But Philip goes down with a different expectation. He goes down there saying, I believe in a God of miracles. He goes down there saying, I'm a bearer of good news. He goes down there with a larger vision than the apostles had. And he goes down there and sees God move. Why? Because the expectation we bring is the doorway for God to move. What expectation have you got right now? Oh, I just can hardly wait for once to be Oh God, oh, hold the fort for I am coming. Jesus signal still. Wave the answer back to heaven. By thy grace we will. <laughs> Is that your expectation or you're saying, what a great day. See, I believe that right now the world's readier for hearing Christ than they've ever been ever before. Didn't you hear Anna speak? How many times did she, that was, none of that was scripted, by the way. That's just us chatting. How many times did she talk about the great hope that she now has? See, it's just real. You don't have to coach someone into that. When you give your life to Christ, hope turns up. This is not a time for shrinking or pulling back or for fear. It's a time for vision and a time for boldness. Let me finish. What is all this about? Psalm 110 verse 3. I love this verse. It says, Your people will be volunteers in the day of your power. In other words, when God is moving, something in our life prompts us to stand up. Something. I'm wondering how many of you today can hear the Holy Spirit saying, It's you. And you might be like Philip, starting out doing something relatively anonymous, not that great. Philip never went around about saying, yay, for I am here, yay, 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 and more yay. Oh, and truckloads of yay, and look what I've got. He never turned up saying, do you know the spiritual gifts I have? He turned up with food for people. And then God began to use his life in greater and greater ways in a time of difficulty. And out of that, this man has a revival. I could go on. The story goes, he then is taken by the Holy Spirit, caught up away from the crowd and from everyone looking to talk to one man who happens to be the Ethiopian eunuch. And he goes back to Candace, Queen of the Ethiopians and brings her the gospel. And that's why today the most Christian country by survey on planet Earth is Ethiopia. 86%. Because somebody said I'm available. What's this mean to all of us? It means that if you'll say yes to God using you, you'll be amazed at what He does. If you'll say yes, Christ, here I am. I'm going to be an available vessel. Stop measuring yourself against the goblet. Because let's face it, there's a whole lot of us that are just a bucket, aren't we? Isn't that right? We got our scratches and marks. The handle fell off a long time ago. I have no idea where it is. It's so dirty that even if I washed it out, it wouldn't get clean. And there's Jesus saying, but I'd like to use you.
I'd like to put something valuable inside of you, something that you could give to others. And all he's looking for is an available vessel. Amen. You know, some of you, I spoke about it earlier, you haven't started the journey yet. You're the forgotten seed. But somewhere in your life, someone, one of you, you worked with a Christian and they kept talking to you about Jesus, but you went, ah, no, forget it. Some of you, it is the grandma or the mom or a brother or a sister in your family who came to Christ and you just think, what? They just got religion. But today you're the forgotten seed and Jesus wants you to say yes to Him. I'm going to pray in just a minute and I pray that you'll say your yes to Christ. It's so easy to do it. Just text yes. If you're in Australia, text yes to 488 If you're overseas or you'd like to get the help we'll give you for free without any strings attached at all. It comes from us. It's not from a third party. It's from our church. We'd love to send you a different scripture every day for 30 days, along with a different prayer every day for 30 days that'll help you get to know Jesus, how to pray, how to talk to Him, how to hear Him speak to you. He'll do that. Then you can do the text yes to that number 0488826392 or if you'd rather get it by email, go to yes.metrochurch.org.au and we'll send you that. You can opt out whenever you like at the end of the 30 days if you want. There's some mini-series ones that I know have been such a help to people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for every one of us whilst some of us think You've forgotten who we are. We're the forgotten seed. But Lord, You never forgot us. And You arranged that at a difficult time, Philip would get scattered. He'd go down to that place and all those people that had believed but never had anything to go on with, there'd be a great church established there. So Lord, we want to give You our yes today. For some of us, it's our first time yes. We're saying yes to you because today we realise that you're real and you're there and you want to come into our life. I pray that they'll say yes to you today. Lord, many others of us, it's not our first yes, nor even our second or third. We're saying, yes, God, we want to be available. We're not telling you how good we are or what we could do. We're not telling you how to use us, what to put in us, who to take us to, any more than Philip did. He never ticked off on the missions list. I really want to go to Samaria. Lord, we let you do the sending. We're just saying to you, we're available in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And thank you.